0: Everybody stand up. Let's read this together. Come on, everybody stand up. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. You may be seated. These are the words of Jesus. Anyone know what gospel that comes from? Matthew, that's right. Jesus, he tells his disciples, Go, go in my authority, go make disciples of all nations, baptize them. Teach them, and for 2,000 years, I mean, this is so amazing to be alive in 2022. We've seen this history of his followers, of disciples doing just that. And, and I wanted to take some time, Jesse and I talked through this a little bit, uh, in the spring, that we wanted to take some time this summer to, to look at this. To, to look at this not in some hypothetical, ethereal way, but in a practical, personal way. What does this look like in our own lives? And so we're calling this series Circles. And the idea, again, with circles is that we all have, think of it this way, circles of influence where the Great Commission takes place. So we've got that inner circle of friends and family. And then you go a little bit wider, you have that. Circle, I would say, of influence, right? Circle of influence, maybe coworkers, or your hairdresser or classmates or acquaintances, those types of people. Then you go to a larger circle and we're calling it strangers. Like, how do we talk with strangers? I, I think, by the way, as we've gone through the book of Acts, that's been modeled very well. But then you take that even further to the idea of world missions. How do you go out into this world, reach and love people with the love of Christ? So this morning, I get the privilege of starting with this inner circle. So let's just get right to it. Raise your hand if you have at least one friend, like close friend or family member who does not know Jesus. Look around. Look around. Take take a chance. All right. Put your hands down. There's a couple of you that didn't raise your hands. Like, you need to get out. (laughs) Now raise your hand if you wish or you desired that that close friend or family member accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Yeah. Amen. Put your hands down. Why? Why would you even want your close friends or your family members to follow Jesus? Maybe shout out a few reasons. Shout it out really loud. But why would you want your family member or your friend to know Jesus, to put their faith in Jesus? Eternal life. Wholeness. Freedom. What else? Forgiveness. To have peace in the storm. Because we're all going through a storm. But Jesus gives us peace. Amen. Amen couple more because you love them that's a great reason did someone say true life yeah amen true life right i mean just think about your life i I think about my own life i've experienced nothing less than complete life transformation in the name of jesus it's him that says i am the way the truth and the life anyone else found life in jesus like i was dead like dead dead like so dead Like there was nothing that could not make me dead. I was so dead in my sins and Jesus came in and he radically changed my life and he gave me life forever and ever. So that's me, that's you, and we're like, yes, like we want that inner circle to experience what we have found. And yet have you noticed that it's right in this place with this inner circle of friends and family where we could say it, the most opposition occurs. Or where the most conflict occurs. Or it's where, I mean, this hasn't happened to any of you, I'm sure, but maybe emotions and feelings begin to get riled up, stirred up. I mean, we've all heard the expression, you want to have a peaceful Thanksgiving dinner? Don't talk about two things. Don't talk about politics and don't talk about religion. Religion. And don't talk about the Houston Astros. I am so done with the Houston Astros. May they lose forever and ever. Amen. (sighs) But if that's your experience, and maybe you've taken some hits. Anybody taken some hits in those family gatherings? Like, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, well, I guess I'm not sharing about Jesus anymore. And, and, And maybe you've gotten to that place of discouragement. I just want to remind you, you know this, but I want to remind you, God loves your friends and your family. If you have someone in your inner circle who isn't saved or maybe a friend who, yeah, they said yes to Jesus a long time ago, but you know they are not walking with Jesus. I just want you to hear this. God has not given up on them and neither should you. And even if you feel like you've blown it, again, I, I think that's something a lot of us carry. Where you know, like, man, it's, just, it's what I said or it's what I did and I, and I ruined my witness. Life spring, that's just not true. God's not done. The story isn't over. And in faith, I was just believing this all week. In faith, I believe there are people in your inner circle who are going to come to know Jesus in a life-giving, personal way that will change their life forever. But church, I also want to say this over you. I believe for many of you that this is going to happen through you. Through you. That you have an important part to play. An important part to play. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I am fired up today. I love you. I love this call to go, to baptize, to teach. But Lord, how do we do this in this world, in this culture, in this season? Teach us today by your word and by your spirit. Teach us how to reach this inner circle of friends and family. Speak. We're listening. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So in my experience as a pastor over the... 16, 17 years on this subject of reaching friends and family. A lot of sermons have been preached, but I I feel like with my own eyes, I've seen kind of two examples of how this goes. Uh, and, And I would say they are extreme examples. It's either like over here when you're like, oh my goodness, like my family's going to hell and I don't want my family to go to hell. So you just take every and any opportunity you could have at every gathering to just tell them about Jesus. And so kind of what happens is you become that awkward guy. And no one wants to admit like you're that awkward guy, but maybe you are. <laughs> and, and so you know you're just I don't know. I've heard someone say like where you just try to scare them into heaven. And so poor little Timmy, you know it's his fourth birthday and he's your nephew and he's so cute and he's there and the cake is there and the candles are lit and he's about to blow out the candles and someone's like well well Timmy be, be careful because you know the the candles are hot and you're like well you know what else is hot. So there's that approach. (laughs) But then I think there's the other side of the pendulum, which has become pretty popular, I think, in our society, which is more of a hands-off approach, right? It says, and I've heard this from you, no judgment. I mean, I've said the same thing, but it's kind of like, you know, God loves my friends. He loves my family. So I'm just going to love them. I'm just going to trust that He's going to reach them and all I can do at this point is pray for them. Now, I think there's actually glimmers of truth in both of those extremes. But today what we want to get to is really the heart of Christ, right? We want to get to, to the heart of Christ, the attitude of Christ in regards to fulfilling his great commission. And, and I think we've got to submit both approaches under his lordship, by the Holy Spirit, underneath his authority to allow him to teach us where we can capture his heart once again on this great commission to be his witnesses i think it's important to remember that scripture tells us right at the beginning of john i was just reading it this week john i think it's chapter 1 verse 14 it tells us that jesus came and it really caught my eye this week that he came full of grace and full of truth isn't that beautiful That's who your Lord and Savior is. He's one who is full of grace and full of truth. That's how he came to this earth. we know in Ephesians 4, it says that we're to speak the truth. We've all heard that, right? But we're to speak the truth in love. And so really today, before I get done with the sermon, uh, my heart is that we could get closer to that, right? That we could get closer to where our witness, our testimony is full of grace. It's full of truth, but also where we speak the truth in love. So I want to start with something that's kind of encouraging. Some of you are, I just can feel it. You're kind of squirming already. But think of it this way. Most of you, again, you raised your hands. You have a family member. You have a friend who doesn't believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior. If that's you, I just want you to hear this. You are in good company because so did Jesus. So did Jesus. In John 7, 5, you guys know this. It says that his brothers didn't believe in him, right? Not even his brothers believed him in him i mean we're like yeah you know they didn't believe in him but come on like that's amazing they've been hanging out with this guy for a long time jesus is around what 30 years old around around there so they've been hanging out with jesus a long time and yet they see him after all these years and they're like nah not the messiah or remember his people in his own hometown where did he grow up what's what's the town where he grew up nazareth and i I preached a message on thursday at the retirement home about jesus being in nazareth and and he went to that synagogue right he opened up the scroll of isaiah he 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 read from isaiah and again this is the they know him they grew up with him and yet at first they're kind of excited like oh but they're like oh no 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 isn't this joseph's son remember that and some doubt kind of poured in some skepticism poured in and yet i think that's wild because this is Jesus. Jesus. Like, remember Jesus at 12 years old. Jesus. He, he goes with his parents. They, they go to Jerusalem. They're going to the festival for the Passover. But then they all leave. The caravan leaves. But he stays. And, and then somehow they're like, well, where did Jesus go? we got to go find him. So they come back. After three days, Scripture says, they found Jesus in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, asking them questions. Everyone who heard Jesus was amazed at his understanding and his answers. Again, church, how old is he? He's 12 years old. Can you imagine growing up with somebody like that? Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5. He says that Jesus knew no sin. Like he knew no sin. Can you imagine growing up with that guy like the never sins guy? Or his birth. His birth. There never was. There never will be. A birth like His birth, the immaculate conception. I mean, I'm sure His family and His friends were like, Oh, Jesus. (laughs) That wasn't a swear word. They literally said Jesus. And yet, do you remember what He says? I think it's Matthew 13. He says, A prophet is not without honor, except, (laughs) where? In his hometown, in his own household, his inner circle. See, with... Everything they saw, they still didn't believe. So I want you to think about your own attempts at loving your friends and your family. I want to encourage you. Just remember, Jesus was the perfect witness. And not even being the perfect witness guarantees that your circle, your inner circle, will embrace Jesus as Lord and Savior right away. I've also got some even better news. Because as much as John 7, 5 says Jesus' brothers didn't believe in him, as much as Mark 3 tells us that his own family said that he was out of his mind. Do you remember that one? His own family. I mean, yeah, I mean, my family says that about me, but I'm me. Like, I'm not Jesus. And yet, even though they said that about Jesus, if you keep reading the Gospels, you discover that eventually his brothers believed, praise the Lord. In fact, after his death and resurrection, not only did they believe, but like his brother James, they become a prominent leader in the early church, even dying for their faith. So life springs. don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. It might take a little longer than you thought it would. It might even be the 11th hour. Steve Dalton was just telling me about an 11th hour conversion. But church, don't give up. God hasn't given up on your family and friends and neither should you. In fact, just take a moment here to consider those in your inner circle who need Jesus. Hopefully, everyone has a card. On the card, you'll see some blanks. And those blanks, this is what I want you to do. Uh, this is an opportunity for you to write down the names of non-Christian friends, non-Christian family who do not know Jesus. And we're, we're going to do a couple of things with this card. One, is you write down their names... Church, I just commission you to love them. I commission you to pray for them. I commission you to intercede for them, to even pray that the Lord would bring people around them that would witness to them and tell them the good story about Jesus. But also, as you keep this card throughout the week, I, I just pray this over you, that you would continue to seek the Lord for a healthy, positive life-giving opportunities for you to speak to them about Jesus amen thank you Jeremy amen everybody else you'll get there it's intimidating the minute the pastor says you got to speak you're like I don't know about me speaking pastor you can speak all you want but for me I don't know We're going to get practical here. Let's get practical. How do you practically witness to your family? I said earlier in the Gospel of John, Jesus, he's full of grace and he's full of, what was the second one? Truth. Grace and truth. In Philippians 2, we're told this about Jesus. He says, in your relationships with one another, Paul writes, have the same mindset, have the same attitude as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used ...by his own or to his own advantage. Rather, Jesus made himself nothing... ...by taking the very nature of a servant... ...being made in human likeness... ...and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death... ...even death on a cross. So you want to be a witness to your inner circle... ...you need to be full of Jesus, right? Full of Jesus, where in those relationships with others... ...you have the same mindset, the same attitude... As Jesus. Now, this is only possible, by the way, if you daily live by the Holy Word and by the Holy Spirit. You got to live by the Word and by the Spirit. I know, I say this every time I preach. I get it, I'm a broken record, but I'm just never going to stop. If you can live full of the Word and full of the Spirit, if you get this one right, I'm telling you, it's a guarantee you can take it to the bank, you will be an effective witness. You got to live by the Word. You got to live by the Word. If you're taking notes, write all this down. You got to live by the Word. By the way, you don't have to read your Bible every day to go to heaven. Did you know that? You don't have to read your Bible every day even to be a follower of Jesus on earth. But why would you ever want to go even a single day without filling yourself with the life-giving, heart-changing, mind-renewing, powerful Word of God? I mean, you brush your teeth, you take a shower, you put on clo- hopefully you put on clothes... I mean, these are the daily rhythms of life. I find no reason good enough, no excuse worthy enough for not daily picking up the Bible and letting it transform your heart and renew your mind. I mean, just this morning, the daily reading plan. It was awesome. Romans 8. Could you? I mean, I could read that the rest... Oh my Lord, thank you for Romans 8. You're having a bad day? Pick up Romans 8. You're getting grumpy... Pick up Romans 8. you allowing Satan to define you by your sins and who you once were. Pick up Romans 8. I mean, who would ever want to go into some of the family events that you have to go to? Who would ever want to go to some of the gatherings and reunions of friends that you have to go to without first solidifying and building yourself up and building up your faith in the Word of God? You've got to be full of His Word. Church, you also got to be full of His Spirit. There is no Christian life outside of the Spirit-filled life. There is no Christian life outside of the Spirit-filled, Spirit-led life. you got to live by the Spirit. Because do you know who loves, radically loves your family member, your friends, way more than you do? It's the Lord. And the Lord knows how and when and where to move in a way that will speak directly to their heart. But guess what? The Holy Spirit wants to speak to them again through you. He wants to minister to your non-Christian friends and family through you. By the way, it doesn't have to be weird. You don't have to get into some trance and speak in some, like, different voice. Just be open. Be a conduit. Be open to what He wants to speak through you. I have a lot of personal examples. I'm not going to share many. I just want to share one. Just this last week, I want it to be as natural and normal as possible. Just this last week, I was spending time with an extended family member, and they had their special friend with them, who, who isn't really, you know, walking with the Lord, but the special friend had a surgery uh, coming up, and so... I'm playing pickleball with this person and I've just found out sports is like an incredible opportunity to witness uh, basketball, pickleball, you name it. Like it's amazing how uh, guys will just open up about what's going on in their life. But then as we were leaving, I mean, he's leaving, he's going out the gate and I shouted his name. I said, come back here. And so he comes back. I've met him, what, three times maybe in my whole life. He barely knows me, but I didn't even ask him. He just comes back. I said, you know, just in Jesus' name, I pray right now for this amazing man that you would just fill him up and you would heal him. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. I'm telling you, church, I looked up and he looked up and he just had tears running down his eyes because it wasn't I that spoke to him. It was the Lord who spoke to him through me. In fact, again, this kid, uh, later after the surgery, I texted him the same thing. Like, hey, how did the surgery go? And I didn't have his phone number, so I gave it to to my family member. And he wrote me back and said, Thank you for your prayer. Thank you for your prayer. God wants to speak to your friends and your family uh, through you. Even we had a family member with us as we went to Rainier on Friday. And just as naturally and normally as possible, I listened to the Bible uh, on the way up there. And I didn't make a big deal about it. I didn't make the family do a Bible study. But we had the Word of God just naturally flowing through that car, right? It doesn't have to be like a sermon. It can be simple. It can be subtle. It can be normal. Praise the Lord. But again, for that to happen, for the people in your inner circle to experience Jesus through your life, church, you gotta be filled. You gotta be filled. Filled with the Word, filled with the Spirit. I got a chance to go to the Puyallup Food Bank this week and the CEO, is that the right title? CEO of the Puyallup Food Bank has been coming to our church, Sean Manley. And, and Sean, I just want to say this publicly, uh, the way you were speaking to us, that's what I said to the guys that I came with. I said that who Christ is just naturally flows through you in, in a way that's very attractive. And, and it's why non-Christians feel safe to come there and, and feel loved and appreciated and valued, but also get to experience the real tangible love of God. It's because of the way that He flows through you who are filled with the Word and filled with the Spirit. So thank you, my brother. So you got to be filled. Number two, got to be committed planting seeds with family this is a big one with some of those friends like lifelong friends this is a big one you got to be committed to having a long view of things because don't we know that seeds take time to grow I just heard a funny story I won't say who it was but someone just told me this week uh, your spouse planted a tulip bulb but then the next day was digging it up because they thought there was something wrong with the bulb because they didn't see something come out of the dirt yet. But um, it takes time. It takes time for things to grow. Again, Jesus' brothers, they didn't believe at first, right? They didn't believe. They, did, they thought he was out of his mind. But I also would say this. They couldn't help but be influenced by what they saw and what they heard from Jesus through the years. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you can't ignore it. And that's the same for you. By the way, you are influencing your inner circle one way or the other. Does that make sense? You are an influencer, whether you like it or not, one way or another. But that you could influence them through the years with your interactions with them, day after day, month after month, year after year, for Christ in this kingdom. Technology. Man, it has a lot of negative uses. But it can also be used for good. Use it for good, church. When the Holy Spirit puts someone on your heart, don't wait, right? Don't wait. Don't delay. Drop what you're doing. Text them. Call them. There is such a good chance that at that very moment, the Holy Spirit is stirring you to reach out to them, and at that very moment, they need a word from the Lord. And we could talk for hours, right? We all have stories of the Lord using us in that way. But church, in that moment, Obey the Lord, because what are you doing when you send that text? Again, it doesn't have to be a sermon. It's just whatever the Holy Spirit is leading you to, 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 to say to them. But what are you doing? You're planting seeds. You're planting seeds. On a side note, I think this is even a soapbox. It's going to be fun. If a non-believer in your inner circle posts something on social media that you don't agree with, almost every time it's probably not appropriate for you to publicly attack them. and maybe they shouldn't have posted what they posted. But I'm just telling you, your public rebuke on Facebook is probably not the answer. If anything, maybe reach out to them in private, right, and ask them for an opportunity to chat face-to-face, right? Whatever the topic is, can we talk more about this? But even there, when you meet with them, instead of coming with your talking points... I'm telling you, one of the best things you can do is simply ask questions. Do you know who was good at asking questions? Jesus was so good at asking questions. Ask questions. Stay curious. Have a heart to understand where they're coming from. And again, I'm not saying that you have to agree with them. If it's not truth, then don't agree with them. But you can do it all in a way that respects and honors their humanity. Again, it's all about planting seeds. By the way, I mean, newsflash, many of your non-Christian friends, they are just waiting for Christians to attack them online. Did you know that? They're just waiting for that, that, that fight. They're ready for the fight. Your attack isn't going to change their mind, but it will reinforce their thoughts and opinions about Christians. And I love what Peter says in First Corinthians, or not First Corinthians, that would be Paul. I love what he says in First Peter chapter 4, verse 8. He says, above all, Love one another deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. I love that verse because it isn't saying that we're to ignore sin. It isn't saying that sin isn't dangerous. In fact, sin is deadly serious. But you trying to win an online debate, it's not the answer for their sin. Jesus is the answer for their sin. Jesus is the remedy for their sin. They need not just a change of perspective, they need a change of heart. Like a new heart, a new spirit. They need Jesus. I mean, Oh, I'm, I'm going to move on. But as much as you can, don't ruin your witness through divisive rhetoric. Instead, deeply love them. Be full of grace. Be full of truth. Speak the truth and speak it in love. Plant seeds, plant seeds, plant seeds. I love when Scripture says, it's Peter again, he says that the Lord is patient. And why is he patient? He's patient because he doesn't want anyone to perish but everyone to come to salvation. Be patient, plant seeds, have a long view of things. So be full of the Word and the Spirit, plant seeds. And number three, this is my last point. And this one you might not like. Be ready to speak. Right? I mean, that one can get us all a little nervous. But church, come on. As much as you are not here to win a debate, you are here to tell your story. To tell and share the good news of Jesus. We're to testify. To give our testimony. To go and make disciples. It takes words. In 2022, I believe this, the Holy Spirit is opening doors right now for us. For us to share the life-giving news of Jesus to those who are right now dying in their sins. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Since March of 2020, I've had the opportunity to speak to more non-Christians about Jesus than I ever did in the rest of my years as being a pastor. More, I mean, just story after story after story of me getting to talk about the lover of my soul to people who do not know Jesus. Why? Because they're struggling. Why? Because they're hurting. But I mean, let's face it, in some way or the other, we are all hurting. But they are hurting without intimately knowing the hope, the peace, and the life that comes from knowing Jesus. That should break our hearts, church. We all know Romans 10. Romans 10, 14 says, How well they know. Right? How would they be able to even put their belief in Jesus unless what? Unless someone preaches to them. See, we got to be ready. Let's get ready. Let's be ready to speak, to tell the story of what Jesus has done. Again, Holy Spirit, He is moving in our land, in the Pacific Northwest. He is opening doors, but we got to be ready to speak. Now, I'll finish with this. Growing up as a Christian kid in the 80s and 90s, the subject of sharing your faith, it was actually really popular. Like, you heard this one a lot. And there was one verse that they spoke to us again and again and again. If you grew up during this time, you heard it too. It was always be prepared to give an answer. Have you heard that one before? Like, 80s and 90s, like, you just had to be ready to give an answer, which meant, as, like, a 12-year-old kid, you had to have an answer about everything. Like, you had to have an answer about the dinosaurs. You had to have an answer about homosexuality. You had to know how the end times were going to go. And, of course, you had to biblically explain why Christians can't go to R-rated movies, listen to Van Halen, or kiss your girlfriend. Right? Like you had to have a biblical answer for everything. Pretty much you had to be a theologian with the perfect biblical answer for every topic known to man. Now I know that's what we were taught in the 80s and 90s because many of you in this room right now are thinking, yeah, (laughs) that's right. You got to have an answer, Pastor Dan. But let's read this. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. That means when you share your faith, here's just some freedom for you today. You don't have to have all the world's problems theologically figured out. You just got to tell your story of what Jesus has done for you. Now don't shrink back on this one. Don't go out in fear and cowardice, you be strong and courageous and bold in Jesus. But what do you got to tell them? You got to tell them your story. Tell them the reason why you have hope. From your heart, share about the hope you found, share about the peace that you found, share about the life that you found in Jesus. And again, let it flow naturally. The turn-off, turn-off Christianity, can that just be dead and buried? Like, let it just be who you are in normal conversation. This is who Jesus is and this is what He has done. And if they ask you that really tricky question, do you know one of the best answers you can give? Actually, I don't know. I don't know. And if you want to follow it up with something, you could say, but maybe we could look and discover together. Maybe we could read the Bible together. Or maybe we could go sit down with my pastor and we could talk about it together again. I don't know what was going on in the 80s 80s and 90s, but it wasn't that. And here's even a bigger problem with what happened in the 80s and 90s. They didn't even finish the verse. Let me read the whole verse. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But, let's put it up there. Do this with gentleness and respect. That's a hard one to read, isn't it? Because let's face it, in so many ways, the American church has missed the mark on this one. And I'm just thinking about it in my own life. We'll give an answer, but we don't do it with gentleness. And we don't do it with respect. All right, take a deep breath. Life spring, can we put a stake in the ground today that says, one, we will be brave and we will speak about Jesus. But when we speak about Jesus, when we share the good news of Jesus, we'll do it with gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect. It's hard because, I don't know about you, you just begin to think of some of the ways you've, you've blown it, right? Where you lost your temper. Where you, you said something you shouldn't have said. You did something you shouldn't have done. You, you treated someone like a human made in the image of God. You treated them in a way that was not with gentleness. And it definitely lacked respect. Well, if that's you, here's another good way to be a witness, a good witness to your non-Christian friends and family. It's to give an authentic, heartfelt apology. Where you say, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I said. I'm sorry for how I said it. Would you please forgive me? Now, if this is a non-Christian friend or family member, there's a good chance they'll say, screw you. Like, no. Right? Because they're not a Christian. But I'm telling you, Again, it's up to them whether they forgive you or not. But I'm telling you, that kind of humility is so contrary to the spirit of the world right now. Come on, I hope you're hearing what I'm saying. That level of humility is so contrary to what is going on right now in our culture, in our society, that even your apology will be a witness to your friends and your family. So again, be full of the word, full of the spirit. Plant seeds, have a long view of things. God's not done yet. Neither should we. Come on. But also, let's be ready. Get ready to speak about Jesus. I've been praying this a lot lately over people. Loosen their mouth in the name of Jesus. But let's do it with gentleness and respect. Amen? Amen. We want to receive communion together at this time. If the ushers could begin to pass out the elements... I was thinking about communion this morning, actually, as I was praying, and I felt like the Lord wanted to remind you uh, one, that there's room at the communion table for you. So if you have not accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, uh, why not do it today? Do it even before you receive these elements. Put your hope and your faith and your trust in Jesus as your Lord, as the one you're going to follow all the days of your life, but also as your Savior, the one who saves you from your sins, forgives you of your sins and and gives you a new life with him forever but also there's room at the communion table for your friends and family and so as we take communion i would just love it if we could kind of have these cards close by because as much as we are enjoying communion enjoying fellowship with the lord because of the lord remembering His death on a cross, remembering His resurrection from the grave, as much as we celebrate what Jesus has done, to celebrate what He's done, but also what He's going to do, that He's going to come back as the King to rule forever and ever. As much as we commune in that way today, the, the Great Commission is yet to be fulfilled. It's being fulfilled, but there's still more to be done. And the Lord loves your friends and your family. And there's room at the communion table for them. And so even as we take communion together, I guess my heart would be that you would pray for them. That this room would just be full of prayers. Prayers lifted up to heaven. Prayers that are interceding for spouses. Interceding for sons and daughters. Prayers that are interceding for grandchildren. Prayers that are interceding for lifelong friends. I got to hang out with a lifelong friend last night that I'm interceding for. The first seed I planted was in 1993. I'm having a long view of things. God's not done yet. And neither should I. I'm not done yet, Lord. I want to be filled with your hope for those in my life that don't know you, Lord. I want to be filled with your passionate love. I want to deeply love them because we know love covers a multitude of sins. Lord, you're not done yet. You're not done yet. You're not done yet. So let's receive these elements together. If I could get some juice in it cracker that'd be great it's the body of Christ broken for us he paid the penalty that we deserved and yet he took it upon himself he bore our sins and even with a family member or a friend the problem is you know him so well like you know all the things that they've done But remember all the things you've done. Paul, he's like the worst of sinners, right? The chief sinner. And yet, Paul was able to come into all these different cities some Jewish, some Greek. And all of them, he was able to preach a good gospel of the saving work of Jesus to people who were, I mean, living it up while they were going down, right? Living a doozy. And yet, he knew that God's grace was sufficient for them. And that Jesus' body broken for them was enough for their sins. So let's take this together. It's enough. It's enough. Jesus, your body is enough for us and everyone in our inner circle. And his blood shed for us. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus that not only covers our sins, but as we're told in the scriptures, take away our sins. The blood of Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Right now we know many of us have found radical healing in the blood of Jesus. I don't completely understand that, but I know it's happened to me again and again where the Lord has healed me in ways that I don't deserve and yet I freely receive. Many of your friends and family need healing more than anything, right? They don't need a lotto ticket. They don't need a genie. They don't need a spiritual ATM in the sky. They need healing. They need wholeness. And wholeness comes through the blood of Jesus. But also, let's give what we have first received. And so if there's any area where you're broken today, where you're feeling fractured or compartmentalized, where you are turning it off and turning it on, any place where you're duplicitous, any area where you're wearing a mask, could you allow Jesus' blood to come there again and wash you clean? Where you could be your whole self, your authentic self, who you were meant to be in Christ. And may your friends and family see Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Jesus, we receive knowing that what you've done for us is enough. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So, church, would you stand?